Good evening and welcome to Editing Aloud. It has been quite a week. We have gone into lockdown. We have had a Moody's downgrade. Markets have been all over the place. We are just beginning to get our heads around what the catastrophic impact of COVID is going to be on South Africa's already ailing economy. But let's start with the Moody's downgrade. Uh, Lumkile Monde, was it expected? And do you feel that Moody's almost kicked us when we were down, which was the view of some people in the market? We are not uh, surprised at all. After years of economic mismanagement by the ANC government, putting good money into a deep hole in institutions such as ESCOM, the capture of Transnet, Prasa, we're very surprised why didn't Moody's do it earlier because had they done so, I think South Africa would have been in a much more different position to confront the COVID-19 pandemic than it is today. So yes, we long expected uh, Moody's to do it, uh, Hillary. But, but Lumkila, I mean, uh, uh, did it make things better or worse? I mean, there's a, there, there was certainly a sense that we were being kicked when we were down. But against that, I think I've spoken to some people in the market who reckon, it was a good time, actually, because the impact of COVID, the impact of COVID is much greater than anything Moody's could have done to us. I mean, was it a, was it a, did it have a greater or lesser impact than you might have expected, the actual downgrade at last? No, no, Joanne, I disagree with that view. I think this government has no plans of how to come out of the economic crisis that we created. So COVID-19 has just amplified and deepened our crisis because there is no economic plan about what to do. Yes, we're putting a stimulus now on the, on the table, but it's not informed by a long-term development agenda that talks to inclusive and labor-intensive economic development because that is where a serious and a deep social crisis is, is coming for South Africa. So if you survive COVID-19, we're going to go into a deep social crisis because so many thousands are going to be out of their jobs because of the economic transition towards digitalization as we are engaging today through that medium. And many companies are shifting towards that, including us at universities. What are you expecting in the way of economic growth? I've seen some pretty horror estimates of what, uh, how, how badly the econ economy will be affected this year, Lumkile. What are you expecting? So, so firstly, the 1% intervention as a percentage of GDP by government is peanuts. I think government should do more, at least move to about 4%, which will amount to about 200 billion uh, or just above 200 billion rand of a, of a stimulus. That similar, I think, will go a long way to soften the impact. At this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if we've got uh, between 5 and 7% economic uh, down, um, uh, downswing. And therefore, I think we're playing uh, with fire. I think we need an addition to what we have on the table that will push us towards 4% of a stimuli than 1% of that we're seeing. Yes, it's good, it's sustaining, but we need much more. Look, can you... Lumkile is suggesting quite an enormous 200 billion rand stimulus. What does that do to our public finances? Um, do, you, do you agree with Lumkile? Do you disagree with him? 
I mean, like, obviously, like as it says, there's a big crisis that that, that we need to confront. I mean, the, the issue, of course, is then. You know, we, we were talking before, even before Moody's, about the sort of fiscal constraints that the government has. And when we all know the story about the debt. I think Lumgila touched on it with all the issues regarding state capture and ESCOM and SAA and all of these things. I mean, if you just look just at yesterday's auction, we, I mean, it looks on the, bond the, on the bond auction yesterday, which is the first one after Moody's. I mean, on the face of it, it looks great. We sold these bonds and actually record bid to cover ratios. But then there, you, you look at the yields you know, in terms of the prices we have to pay to, 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 to get that, that, that investor support. I think our three-year bond yield we sold yesterday yield 7.2 percent. I mean, if you think of that in a context where, say, the U.S. is borrowing for 10 years at less than 1 percent, and then I think the 10-year one was at 10 percent yields. I mean, if you think we're going to... So we, we so managed to sell those this? government bonds, <laughs> bonds but we paid, yeah. we paid a price. Now, that, that feeds into the public finances. Rob Rose, would you be worried about the state of our public finances? I mean, do, are you, what would be your questions for Lumkile in terms of, 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 of where we find that money? Well, I mean, I suppose it's just like you put it, <laughs> where do we find that money? I mean, that's the thing, that we're not in a position where we have the kind of flexibility that the UK has or the US has to do much. And we have higher interest rates, for sure, and certainly compared to Europe. But in terms of our flexibility to do much, I mean, I suppose if I can hijack your question and ask that one, <laughs> that would be great. Lumkile? So uh, there is a presentation that's circulating uh, where our South African Reserve Bank and our Treasury participated, uh, presented by Ricardo Hausmann. He's a South African policymaker as a Switzerland. He's saying, look, South Africa, you're a developing country. Look at your asset side of your Reserve Bank. You've got reserves. You can tap into those reserves. Why can't you? Because they're meant for emergency. You are in a deep social and economic crisis. Use them. And that's where Hillary, I think, should turn to try and add to the uh, to those billions that you that you already spent to push it up to twenty billion rand. Warren Thompson, have you been looking at what the Reserve Bank has been doing in the markets? I mean, do you think it's been doing do you think it's been doing enough to number one stabilize the markets and and number two put stimulus into the economy? Uh, yes, Hillary. I think that they finally uh, just ahead of that Moody's decision. I think finally it dawned on them how serious uh, the situation is. And you saw those interventions to keep the money markets moving uh, with the new windows, the changing of the interest rates that banks can borrow from the Reserve Bank, as well as the interest rate they earn uh, by depositing funds there. And then very interesting was that new mechanism, uh, the monetary portfolio, uh, monetary policy portfolio, which now allows the Reserve Bank to buy bonds in the, in the secondary market. And I would uh, really like to get Lumkile's view on it because I think it's a mechanism that we can use to uh, effectively bypass having to go to the IMF uh, by virtue of the fact that the Reserve Bank can now, with, with the creation of money that it's, that it's using to do this, buy up the secondary bonds, which allows uh, the government to issue more bonds and thereby prov provides a, a window that I think, I mean, I think Lumkile gave 200 billion. I think we're heading into uh, territory of, of needing a trillion rand to try and keep this economy going through what I think are depression era economics. Lumkile, that's a big number. I'm, I'm very excited by the intervention. And I think we have an opportunity because what the president has done is to bring us all together as South African, have solidarity. So if you can tap those, those resources, 
up to three trillion will really change significantly the lives of many South Africans, the, those SMEs that need support, and the bigger business. So for me, this is an opportunity for us really to change our economic orthodoxy and use the Roosevelt uh, Keynes experiences in driving this economic change, which is so important because really we've got no time. Let's just do it now. Look, Kenya. Uh, look, I mean, a question for the, one of the guys. I mean, when it comes to sort of this money printing, people talk as, as if it's almost like a cost-free. I mean, like when, you, when you've seen what's happened in Europe, and like, I mean, I think there is the ECB's balance sheet that added by like something like two trillion euros or something. So the question then is, how much could we hope to print, <laughs> and what would we achieve? I mean, as, a, as an emerging market currency, when we will be printing rands, not dollars here. So. When, is it really a capacity? Is it realistic for us to think we could just print a, like a trillion dollar rands or whatever it is with, and without actually thinking what the cost would be in terms of uh, uh, I mean, the value of our currency going forward or, value, or inflation or whatever it is? That there must be some kind of cost, surely. And, and the crisis will presumably one day end and we will then have to pay the price. So is that a price worth paying, Lumkile? It is a price that's worth paying. Remember, this is South African resources, this South African money, and we're putting our money to where it's supposed to go. Remember, we have got such inequality in our country, poverty, unemployment, currently at record levels. Can you imagine if we do nothing? Where will it be? The pathologies that accompany that. So let's use our South African money for the betterment and changing the lives, whilst also strengthening our business um, the community to create the value that will help us Lukani, to repay those amounts of debts that will have built up as we intervene in this, in this crisis. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back after the break to talk about some of the companies and the banks who are either influencing or being influenced by the crisis. Back. Okay. Welcome back. Rob Rose, you are seeing, we are seeing in, on scenes one company after another um, announce disaster in one form or another. I mean, what are you seeing? Um, is this turning out to be a lot worse than we might have expected, Rob Rose? Um, I certainly think it will be far worse than we expected. I think initially the expectation was that it was just a, you know, a bump and it'll be sort of business as usual, sort of an interruption for a short while. And I think all the people I've spoken to who run companies say that fundamentally this is something of a reset. We don't quite know which businesses will take a longer term hit from this. I mean, their business models will be under, under threat. We don't know at this moment which businesses will be in a good position to climb back up afterwards. So I think it's still very unclear. I mean, certainly for investors, there are different issues playing out. There are companies cutting dividends. I think leverage is a, an absolute killer in this environment. Um, and I think that, that it's now coming down to company specifics. Having said that, I think that the banks, for example, have taken an, an, a huge amount of pain in the last couple of weeks. And I don't think that's justified. There's a sort of bit of a sectoral, Lucania, there's a bit of a sectoral uh inequality if you like mm. i mean so the retailers must be absolutely flying certainly the grocery retailers whereas other companies are well oil and gas of course is absolutely savaged yeah. um which are the sort of winners and losers 
I think that, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, retailers, I mean, you like I wanted to do my essential shopping the other day and I couldn't get into pick and pay because the queues are actually going to almost outside of the mall. And there wasn't the much social distancing thing. happening mm. at the moment at the day as well, I must say. I mean, just as to build up on what, on what Rob is saying, I mean, the, the headlines, I mean, it's got to the point where I'm thinking my French is going to be quite good and uh, I can, I, I'll be able to say well, the word force majeure, like in a while, I, I might even be able to spell it after like a couple of days because it seems to come up almost every second day. We've had it in Platinum, <laughs> we've had it in ESCOM, we've Escom. had force majeure in several industries. So look, I mean Meaning? That. I mean, but at least by the end of the day, I think I'll be able to spell it because I've seen it so, 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 so much. I mean, you think of all this, I mean, it, I mean it's quite horrific, really. Like, like, I mean, it'd be good if Rob has any sense about what happens after this. I mean, I mean, it might not even end in three weeks. You know, we, sometimes like, we get a bit complacent sometimes. We talk about, okay, this is like a bump we're going to have for three weeks. But when you look at the trends in the UK, <laughs> where they're saying now they're actually they might be closed until well into the summer. So, and that's, that, that's like me taking it what, up to June uh, a, a bit further. And so who knows how, the, so we don't know how long this is going to last for one thing and, and who's going to come back and who's going to be able to come back. I mean, Edcon probably has said they hope to come back, but they might not be able to. I, mean, mm. I, mean, <laughs> I yeah. wish I had the answers, but, but all I can say is it's, yeah. quite, it's quite The big question is what comes back mm. after this, mm. whenever it is. Warren Thompson, um, the banks are being called on to absorb debt restructuring and bad debts um, that they really didn't anticipate, but the Reserve Bank has come in with some measures to help them do that. Have you looked at those measures? Um, without getting too technical, will they help the banks to help the economy, as it were? Absolutely, uh, Hilary. I think what you've seen is what's going to happen in the economy over the next few months is that the banks, whether they like it or not, are going to, ha are going to be forced to roll loans to consumers. Uh, and businesses, and so uh, you're going to see their their loan amounts increase as the as the interest continues to capitalise. But obviously, uh, the cash flows, the repayments from uh, from consumers, is going to become very problematic. So what the Reserve Bank did is they reduced the uh, capital that banks have to have by way of um, being able to meet their cash flows on a on a kind of month to month basis. And that uh, specifically, as far as I'm concerned, was designed to allow the banks to continue to roll the loans. I mean, you, you don't want to foreclose a loan in this market. I mean, if I can't pay for the bond at my, uh, on my house, uh, what does a bank want to do? Come and take over a property now and try and sell it into this market. It's, it's virtually impossible. So the holding uh, position is going to be that the banks are going to roll effectively uh, the loans for uh, huge swathes of the economy uh, over the coming months, and the, uh, the reserve banks allowed them to do that without having to post more money themselves. So that avoids the need to go to the the equity market when you've seen their shares get annihilated and try and raise money that way, as well as uh, selling uh, some of the other securities they hold as, as capital buffers into a market where there's no buyers. Rob Rose, which are the which are the companies most likely to be beating a path to the door of the banks? I mean, which which in your view are going to be the the winners versus the losers? Well, we've seen a bit of a battle, a showdown happening between landlords and retailers at the moment. Certainly, the smaller smaller companies were the first ones to ask for rental holidays, um, but I think now the larger retailers are, are having having their moment in the sun too. I mean, Edcon is just one example, but it's it's what's coming for all retailers who are not selling food and. And I think that there, there are many of them who will want um, payment holidays on certain things. And it does, it does, like Warren says, it does 
put some pressure on the banks. But I think, you know, this liquidity thing, I, I spoke to Mike Brown last week, the CEO of Nedbank, and he was saying that before the financial crisis, they had 7 or 8% in as capital buffers, and now it's up to 10%. So there is a lot of capital that could be released for such an emergency, and this is that emergency. The, I suppose the question is, after this, do you then do you then go back to where, where you were before, or do you go back or you stay as you are? I suppose that is the thing, is the measures we're putting in place now, including the QE from the Reserve Bank, to what extent does that become the new normal? Lumkile, I'm going to give you the last word here. I mean, what do we come out with after this? I mean, what, what does the corporate sector look like? What does the economy look like? Um, can one look ahead to a time when we start pulling out of it? And, and what does it look like? So we'll be back to banks owning quite a number of companies. So the concentration that we talk about before 1994, uh, where banks and, and, and other conglomerates were owning many companies, is going to happen, can avoid it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as in the new environment, companies are putting South Africa first. I, can think, I think that we can be more innovative about competition policies, about what we do, given that at the time uh, the pandemic ends, that we have such concentration. Uh, and how can we use that concentration for the benefits of Africa, not only for the shareholders? Thank you very much to all our panelists um, and to all of you at home. Stay home, stay safe, and let's all get through this as best we can.